Welcome to the Dildorks, dorky discourse on sex, dating, and masturbating. As you may have noticed, Kate is not here with us today. Uh, She let the pups take over. We're doing a whole episode on puppy play that I'm really excited about. Um, I also have two guests here with me today. Why don't you let us know who you are and what you do? Hi, I am Amp. I am from the internet. Uh, I'm known for lots of butt (laughs) selfies, but most importantly, uh, a YouTube channel called What's a Safe Word, where we talk about sex, kink, and having fun. And I am Pup Dane. I'm in Montreal. I am a pup organizer and educator here in the city. I'm also an artist and uh, historian working on queer storytelling, and I'm the current uh, IPC international puppy. Ooh, Excellent. <laughs> Whoa. So I kind of wanted to start out by talking a little bit about what got everyone into puppy play. I know when I started out, um, I had a partner call me pup and I was like, oh, that's really sweet. Like, I don't know if that's my kink or anything, but like, that's a cute pet name. And then fast forward like three weeks and I was like, oh, no, this is my kink. Absolutely. Good. Good to know. <laughs> Learned that about myself. Um so I'm curious, what got y'all started? Um, well, I know for myself, uh, it all started just from a camping trip with my super vanilla, super long-term boyfriend at the time and a bunch of friends. Um, and there just happened to be this couple that joined last minute that were puppies unbeknownst to me at the time. Uh, and just, I, I saw their dynamic. It was a daddy and his puppy, and it was just like really cute. And it was a lot more affectionate and caring than kind of just me and my boyfriend were. Um, And there wasn't even, like, sex going on. It was just, like, their connection was super, super intriguing. And so I kind of asked him about it after the fact and uh, just learned about kink and the puppy play world. That's really awesome. Yeah, I've always... That's kind of one of the things I've loved about puppy play is that, like, it's DS stuff, but it's so, like sweet at the same time and it like kind of balances those things dane how'd you get into it uh i have so i have two stories that i tell when i talk about how i got into it and i'm i'm i think i can tell both of them tonight i normally choose one depending on what context i'm in but uh (laughs) i have sort of the sexual story and then i have the emotional story of how i got into pup play and they both happen at the same time but uh I have sort of the conventional introduction to pup play that a lot of people will will tell. They scroll through Tumblr and <laughs> come across, you know, Tumblr's hot where you people find wearing everything. dog masks. Yeah, and you're like, why do I find this attractive? Why am I jerking <laughs> off to this? Like, do I want to do this? And then, like, three months later, you're like, yes, yes, I, I know I want to do this. <laughs> um, so, lo and behold, I then uh, encountered this guy on Scruff uh, who identified as a pup on the app and I found it really sexy and he was uh, very attractive so I messaged him and said that I would be really interested in exploring that with him Uh, and I met up with him and I remember I met up with him uh, in a public place we and we had a a long conversation before we ever met up to actually play and actually engage in any sex and it was the first time that I'd had that uh, that negotiation take place before a sexual encounter and I remember that uh, it really got me going. It really made me feel safe. So then when we finally mm-hmm. did meet up and we got to play, uh, I was just able to completely forget 
my my human self and really engage in this primal sexual play that I'd never never encountered before uh, and as soon as I had done that for the first time I knew it was something that sexually I really 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 wanted to stick with um, simultaneously uh, at the same point when I was exploring pup play and canter again on Tumblr and first meeting up with this guy I was going through a really really rough time in my life I was like super depressed this very traumatic thing had happened just a few months beforehand and I was super depressed very anxious and uh, at the time I had been drinking a lot and using a lot of drugs as a way of like dealing with those emotions and when I actually engaged in pup play this first time it was this way of of really feeling present and really allowing myself to escape in a certain sense but to escape in a way that felt a lot healthier than the ways that I had been been escaping and so it also felt mm-hmm. like something that I could really use as a means of of uh, you know healing moving forward and and dealing with some of those difficult emotions of of just daily life yeah i think that's super powerful and i think it speaks to the way that kink can you know the the truism that kink is not therapy but it can be therapeutic right um mm-hmm. and i think that really speaks to the ways that like kink can help you work through some stuff that's going on uh but let's backtrack for a second for anyone who doesn't know what even is puppy play what does that look like um and what like basic 101 stuff what do people need to know what are we even talking about so puppy play (laughs) puppy play at its at its most basic is when a person takes on the role of a dog to varying degrees and people will play with it to just a very small degree where they might you know only engage in pup play where they get down on all fours and bark a little bit in private one-on-one with a partner they feel really comfortable with and that's the only time it happens that's Mm -hmm. the only place it comes out for other people it becomes more of a lifestyle it's all-encompassing it's a bit more 24 7 uh, where you're always like I'm always a little bouncy whenever I go I sometimes accidentally bark at my coworkers at the law firm that I work at it's awkward um so <laughs> it, it it runs on a bit of a spectrum depending on how people engage with it but at its most basic it's just taking on the role uh of a dog to varying degrees yeah yeah i think it could be a little rough for some people um <laughs> uh, but uh whenever someone asks what puppy play is or what it looks like um, usually I'll just ask them to imagine like a dog playing, like a bio dog. So not a human puppy, but a bio dog. Um, mm-hmm. Because everyone kind of has a different mindset of what a dog looks like when they're playing. And this, like, this isn't even like anything sexual, but it's just like, if you ask someone to, to act like a dog, like everyone is different. There's, some people are super playful. Some people are more stoic and like curious. Um, and I think that kind of approach gives that person kind of the openness to be whatever puppy they want to be without telling them how to do it properly or if they're even doing it wrong. Um, I don't think there's really a right or proper way to do it. I think there's lots of ways you could do it absolutely incorrect. (laughs) Um, But it's like approaching it as like having a good time and having fun and never using the excuse that being a puppy makes it okay to be a jerk. (laughs) Right. Yeah, even in pup play, the rules of consent always apply. Yeah, if you're not using yeah. consent, you're not barking up the right tree. <laughs> um, These puns, I can't deal with it. <laughs> hey, Kate's not here. Someone's got to have the puns. <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, a lot of people picture, if they have a basic understanding of puppy play, they picture, um, 
you know, this submissive dog always playing with this, you know, big leather-wearing handler. Um, and I'm curious if, like, so are pups always submissive? Like, do puppies play with other puppies? What kind of thing, what can that look like? Sure. Um, I mean... <laughs> yes. So, yeah, yeah, so, sure. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think approaching that is like, I mean, do tops always want a top? Do bottoms always want a bottom? Like... A puppy can be a top, a bottom, versatile, anywhere in between. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I mean, there's so many different types of relationships that you can have uh, when you're engaging in pup play. Like, there's the, as you mentioned, like the pup handler dynamic that I think we most of us probably picture when we first hear of pup play, uh, which is between the pup and then uh, their their handler, who generally generally takes on a more dominant, uh, more caring role, uh, though not always. Um, And then we can also substitute the handler for a sir, for a master, for an owner, for a trainer. And all of those, depending on who you talk to in the community, will have a bit of a different dynamic uh, attached to it. Mm -hmm. But then the other important set of relationships that you have when you when you get into the pup community is the pup pup relationships, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a bit more of like a a pack dynamic. Uh, A lot of people will uh, will view it that way. So you have relationships where uh, a lot of people use that like sort of Greek alphabet hierarchy, alpha, beta, alpha, beta, omegas, omega. And uh, (laughs) so uh, are either of you guys, what, how do you guys identify as puppies yourselves? Doms, tops, submissives, alphas, betas? I'm a dom top. I'm not. I'm a, a big, <laughs> a big sub and a big bottom. <laughs> I've been known to service yeah. top occasionally, so I I have that skill set. If you require it, and I'm definitely uh, a little switchy when it comes to other stuff. But with puppy play, I'm definitely submissive. Um, I really enjoy playing with other pups. Um, mm. I like playing with dominance too, but I just really enjoy like the playful energy of playing with other pups. It's something I've only gotten to do like a few times, but want to play with a lot more because it's just, I don't know, rambunctious and really playful. And you can get that with a dominant, but I don't know, the energy is not quite the same. Yeah, for sure. Well, so in that way though, I mean, who's submissive? If you're playing with another puppy and you're both just playing, like, is there any submission that's happening? You know? Yeah, I mean, I haven't experimented with that too much. For me, I think I would still lean on the submissive side because I'm, I'm still, I'm just very subby in general, <laughs> um, especially when I'm in pup space. Uh, and I think part of that is also that puppy play is one of my newer kinks and it's something that I haven't gotten to engage with a ton with other people so when I'm doing it I'm like yeah yeah no you tell me what to do it's fine I trust you you like we'll just figure this out I'll follow your lead um so I think in the future I might be a more dominant pup but right now I'm very much following other people's leads when I play with it okay I mean I mean on the fact like or on the question of submission like you don't even need another puppy to technically be a like you don't need another person, sorry, to be a puppy, like to get in the headspace, yeah. to play around. Like, I know that back in the day when I was first starting a long time ago, um, <laughs> I, I was just kind of putting on a collar, putting on a hood, just kind of playing around. And it, again, kind of going back to that, it can be therapeutic, but it's not therapy. Like, I was just doing it to have fun and kind of get out of my own head for the, the time being. Yeah, I think that's a, it can be a really valuable tool for that. Yeah, and I feel like it opens the door to this kind of intimacy 
and this kind of dynamic that we just don't have access to, that we don't have permission to engage in after like childhood, like this idea that we can just get around, get down on the floor and like romp around and like chase a ball and like that's okay and it's fun and it can be sexual but it doesn't have to necessarily be sexual. Like that's something that you never get to do that as an adult and it's just so freeing and it, 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 it can have such, I don't know, has such positive benefits on, on so many people who, who do it. No, for me, it feels like play in, like, almost its purest form, you know what I mean? Like, i not stressing about anything else, I'm just playing. Which is, like you were saying, not something that I get to do in my adult life where there are bills and laundry and cleaning to do. <laughs> no, it's true. Um, I, I think people just need an excuse sometimes to, to just be silly. Yeah. And one of the things when I was first trying out pup play, uh, I had a lot of fear around feeling silly um, because like it's it's a thing that you feel silly doing sometimes right away. And I like had expressed that to my partner who was my dominant at the time. uh, And I was like, you know, I feel really silly. Like, I feel like I look silly. And he's like, well, yeah, but I look silly, too. Like, we're playing right now this is allowed to look silly and i was like oh okay cool (laughs) 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 but that's totally part of it uh if you i mean like it's not far fetched if people feel a little (laughs) silly throughout the play and but i think what the problem is most times is people just have a hard time getting into that headspace and just kind of letting go like headspace is super helpful yeah, I'm really curious what tools y'all have for getting into that headspace. Or what, well, like, tips you, and Well, you tricks. just touched on exactly the thing that I tell people when they want to engage in headspace for the first time, which is that it's going to be silly, and you're going to feel probably a little stupid uh, the first time, the first couple times that you do it, and you just have to embrace that. Because, like, objectively, <laughs> objectively, I think pup play is really weird (laughs) but objectively so many of the kinks that we engage in are are weird but you just have to accept that weirdness and push through it and then let that silliness like uh, eventually you can push through it and and let that silliness feed that playfulness that uh that the pup headspace brings um so the first Mm -hmm. thing for me is always you know let yourself be silly accept that yeah Mm -hmm. um for me yeah i mean the silliness once you get that out of the way like just getting like getting active getting into it getting on all fours and just kind of wrestling around uh, i mean you can start with a very kind of human like wrestling and just kind of get more playful and fun from there um i know some people like to kind of get almost meditative um some people use like hypnosis to get into a, a fun headspace um but gear for me was always kind of my number one go-to like being able to put on my my puppy hood, the first hood that I ever got, was kind of the most uh, freeing sort of experience. You kind of feel almost like you're being another person. It adds a layer of like anonymity, but also a layer of just kind of like your your own like puppy like mask, almost like you're a superhero in a way. <laughs> you know, you're in you're incognito, if you will. Um, <laughs> gear was always really important for me. Yeah, and I, I guess, like, in contrast, gear was never a thing that I needed or, or really wanted, uh, especially at the beginning. Um, and 
a useful tool that the the first pup that I played with uh, made me do before we engaged in our first session was he used to make me do writing exercises, which were so annoying at the time, but uh, upon <laughs> reflection were so useful. Like he actually made me journal and write back to him like, this is why I want to engage in pup play. I find it hot to think about the, the idea of like being owned by someone. I find it hot to think about the idea of being degraded and treated like an animal. And the act of actually writing down what I wanted to get out of it, uh, then he was able to have the vocabulary to, to work with me to, to draw that out of me. And for those people who are curious about pup play, who have access to a community, who have access to people who they can trust, uh, who are willing to explore that with them, sometimes, you know, working with somebody, whether it be a pup or a handler, someone who has experience in the scene, uh, they can really draw that, uh, that pup out of you and help you uh, fall into your headspace for the first time. Totally. I really love the idea of having you write out that kind of thing. I always loved those like confessional style tasks where it's like getting an insight into more than just what you want to do, but why you want to do it. Because I think that builds really, really effective scenes. Because um, I think I think in the kink scene in general, we talk way too much about what you want to do and not nearly enough about why. Mm-hmm. when I think why is really what drives the scene, at least for me, especially because so many of my kinks are psychological. Um, well, I yeah. would rather, yeah, I would rather talk about the feelings I want to have than, like, what I'm going to do to get there. And also, everyone's going to be coming at their kinks from a different perspective. Some people might want this to be fun and silly. Some people might want, like, aggressive wrestling because it turns them on. Some people might just want to give control completely over to someone Maybe they want to be locked in chastity. Maybe they want to be able to, you know, put a butt plug tail in. There's so many ways you could approach this kink, and it's so open-ended in that way. Um, mm-hmm. And we talked a little bit about gear um, and how useful and valuable that can be to get you into headspace. Uh, I'm curious, like, what kind of gear you guys enjoy, if there's anywhere that you would recommend people look that are getting started for gear, and... What options are there for people who maybe can't afford the fancy gear? Like, what other ideas do you have around that? I mean, the the essential gear, in my opinion, is the uh, knee pads and gloves. If you're going to be down mm. on all fours, those are those are the essentials that you need to protect your knuckles, protect your knees. Uh, otherwise, you know, everything is is optional from there on out. And uh, I'm a big proponent of the you don't need gear to be a pup. I mean, I at this point now I'm experimenting with a ton of different gear and it can be really fun and really exciting. So also like go for that if you want to. But I would say that's the essentials, knees, glo- knee pads and, and gloves. For sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, I think some people, again, this is all like where you're coming from and what you like. Like I know some people that are like naked, no gear, totally like animal, like they're a puppy and that's how they like it. They don't need anything. But then there's also some people that like fully customizable hoods, like Mr. S makes like the neoprene, the leather hoods, and you can put like fangs on it, you can put ear colors on it, you can make a neon pink and yellow and orange hood, and that is who you are, (laughs) and that is your identity, you know? (laughs) Um, But I think the essentials, or just like the easily accessible stuff, like collars, Go to a pet store. You can get a collar for a few dollars. You'll look a little weird putting it on, but if anyone gives you a hard time, just be like, oh, I have a, 
a big uh, dog at home, and <laughs> I just want to make sure it fits me too. And then just wink at him. And hey, you know what? Maybe you just like found your handler. You know. <laughs> um, but as far as knee pads, I totally agree. Like knee pads are important. Wrestling knee pads are super great and flexible. Or volleyball, if you're a big volleyball player. And then while you're at the sports store, um, you also should get some vet wrap. If, if you want to have, like, no mobility of your hands, vet wrap's a great way to just wrap around your hands. Put some nice, thick, padded socks over that, and you have some padding, and you can't use your hands anymore. Like, mm. and if you want to, you can even, like, grip something before you start vet wrapping. That way your hands don't get too cramped. Like, you can actually, like, hold on to, like, a stress ball or something. Super easy way. And mitts, you don't have to buy them. Yeah, because I think there's a lot of really great leather gear out there but there are also a lot of really broke queers out there. <laughs> so there's only so much. I like to offer other options as well, because I think kink in general can be a little, or can appear a little cost prohibitive to people, um, because there is so much like gorgeous, expensive gear out there across the board. But I like to kind of take a moment to recognize that like you don't need that stuff, and mm. you don't have to have the money to be able to do these things. No, not at all. I mean, even, like, a dog bowl you can get for a few dollars, and that helps put someone, like, in their space. Like, you're totally degrading them or dograding them, if it were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I bought yeah. my first leash at the, the pet store, and it was nicer than the ones... I swear it was nicer than the ones you could buy at the sex shop, and it cost, like, eight dollars <laughs> I still have it. That's excellent. Um, so, personally... Um, Puppy play kind of unlocked a couple of other doors for me through kink and other things. Like, uh, similarly to the way I was with puppy play was how I felt about water sports, where I was like, that's interesting, but, like, I'm not into that, like, I don't think. I don't think that's my thing. And then, like, through playing with puppy play and seeing kind of the overlap in the porn between those two, I was finding more and more water sports stuff where I was like, okay, maybe that is my thing. Uh, I'm curious what other kink stuff that you think overlaps really well with puppy play or kind of layers on top of it, other stuff that you can play with? Um, I think that bondage is a great one. Uh, my own personal kinks are mostly puppy play and bondage. Um, and I think bondage allows you to get into some really interesting positions. You can tie a puppy down. You can use like some frog ties or just some really simple arm or leg ties to keep them on all fours and make it so they can't walk on two legs. Like that can be humiliating or that can just put you in the right space emotionally and physically um, bondage was definitely a big overlap for me mm. yeah I, I when I was at claw which is a big leather weekend that happens in Cleveland at the end of April each year just a couple weeks ago uh, I was playing with this pup there who had made this contraption uh, where you put on uh, leather mitts and then leather boots and there's a ring on each of them that connects to all, all four has a piece of chain that connects to a little uh, circular leather wrap that goes around your balls. And there's only enough space so that you can move each limb a couple inches. So you can't stand uh. up, you can't move uh, in any way that wouldn't resemble the way that a dog would move. And I mean, that's the only time that I've encountered that specific contraption, but like, man, that was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, that sounds amazing. <laughs> 
I think for me though, I I'm like a big psychological uh, player as well. Uh, more recently, uh, Amp, you mentioned hypnosis. I've been getting into that as uh, as a means of sort of accessing and deepening the the pup head space as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a it's a really great way to not only access that headspace, but also deepen the the DS dynamic with whoever I'm playing with. They can really just have me believing uh, fully that I'm a dog, um, and that's it's been a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot more fun too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and not to add this onto the tail end, but like tails are important to puppies. Yes. I mean, butt stuff, butt toys. They have like <laughs> tails that vibrate now as you wag them, like. So that's I, awesome. Yeah, insertable play, or like if you're really into just any sort of anal play at all. I mean, the tons of puppies are into fisting, and they love their big toys. Um, yeah, I can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> or even like, so if we're talking about control, like a lot of puppies, at least on my Tumblr feed, are super into chastity. Like being controlled mm. is their kink, and they want to just have everything about their lives controlled by their handler or their dominant um so chastity is a big one too i'm still hunting for the chastity device that works for trans guys oh. one day one day there will be a cool one is there so they, like what about career devices or like the belts do those not work super yeah well? i've seen the belts you ever tried like before? they could but it i haven't tried any of the belts but for me they look a lot okay. bulkier and they look more I don't want to say they look feminine because it's a big metal belt, but it mm-hmm. still like feels more like, oh, this is for women than I think feels totally comfortable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, uh, my ex and I had talked about just putting my packer in chastity and wearing it that way and just kind of operating as if I'm in chastity mm-hmm. um, because for me it's more psychological anyway. Um, but yeah, we're still figuring it still figuring out how that might work. Um, You're still trying but... to hound it down? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dane's facial expressions every time you make a pun is my favorite thing. <laughs> I I knew I knew this was going to happen, and I tried to prepare all these puns in advance, and I'm, I, I can't do it. I can't keep up with you. You're right, you're right on my level. heels. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what was the question? <laughs> Um, <laughs> Are puns a kink? Can that be incorporated into Other... puppy play? <laughs> Wordplay. Kate play. would agree that they are a kink. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say too. Like one thing that goes along really well with pup play is uh, like scent uh, mm. and taste. Like as a pup, when you get into that 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 headspace and you really just want to sniff and lick things, like that body odor that can already be so like intoxicating and stimulating, uh, then just becomes that much more essential um and yeah I, whether you're on the mats like wrestling around or doing some private one-on-one stuff like that usually comes out when i'm playing yeah that's that never even occurred to me as a thing that is linked to my puppy play but it totally is um especially so since starting testosterone i've been way more into scents and smells lately um because science um <laughs> but what's also What's also really interesting and weird around that is testosterone also changed the way my body smells. So I smell more like a dude now, but like I'm into the way dudes smell, which is really awkward. (laughs) 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 But eventually I will get used to it. Um, But yeah, no, that's 
that's like smelling and like licking and stuff is definitely a thing um, that I have experienced in pup play. Yeah, and it's a thing for me. Like all I have to do is like have a have my like muzzle shoved into somebody's armpit, and like I can just go into my headspace like that. Like that's all that I need. <laughs> it can be a really, yeah. like I don't know. They say scent is a really powerful trigger, or like can trigger memory. I don't know, but like <laughs> I think that's true. <laughs> totally, memory, headspace. What I mean, scents can do lots of things. Yeah. Um. So way back before I even really knew pup, like puppy play was a thing or that it was a thing that I was into, um, I had an actual dog um, that I was, I was taking to these training classes and had these really complicated feelings about being like, oh, that, that is a really cool training system that you have there. That's, I wonder what that would look like if we were training people. Um, <laughs> and I'm curious... <laughs> What if you have any tips around training human pups or what that might look like? Uh, yeah, I mean, one big thing, uh, I guess, for me is uh, training nonverbal communication. Uh, that's always like mm. a fun one to do. Uh, whether you're uh, once I have an established relationship with whether it be an alpha or a handler or something, uh, I like to have them lead a session where they teach me uh, tricks or commands uh, with just hand signals. So and it can apply when we're just doing like uh, pup play where I'm on all fours, we're in like a private setting, or it can be something that we can use sort of at the bar, uh, like something that sort of allows them to. Uh, exert their control in public settings as well, where we'll be at the bar and I'll be at the other side of the room, you know, chatting with my friends and then I'll see uh, Sir give a, one of his hand signals and I know at that point that it's my time to come over and stand on his right side. Um, so that sort of nonverbal stuff uh, has been really useful for me. It, and it's all really based on uh, like trust and communication, which a lot of kink and BDSM, <laughs> that's the foundation of it. Yeah. Um, but once you have that, uh, I mean, that's one of the, one of the ways that I like to explore. Absolutely. I mean, I think it comes first with like the communication and kind of asking yourself if you're working with a handler, uh, like what are you trying to train? Why are you training? What is the end goal for the training? Like the needs and the wants, um, and kind of balancing it from there. And I think then you'll know what kind of play or what kind of training you're going to be doing. Some people, you might be training them to take a tail properly. So you're just building up butt play. Some Maybe some people, you're doing the chastity thing and you're trying to keep the puppy, you know, on edge and horny. Like they want, they have a goal to be in chastity for, you know, a month. Um, maybe just you want to train the puppy to be, like you said, really good at the bar. Make sure that they always get the drinks in time. <laughs> um, yeah. Treats. Treats are very important. Yes. Agreed. I just like treats. <laughs> <laughs> I just want food. <laughs> Genuine puppy things. I'm like, yeah, 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 train me, but do I get treats? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there's food involved? I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I am eat, on like, board. I meals of gummy bears at these events that I go to just because everybody's like, oh, do you want one? I'm like, yes. <laughs> I don't have to eat today. <laughs> oh. I like goldfish personally because I like the crunch. Uh, my my yeah. old alpha, he liked actual milk bones, milk bones oh. and Jack Daniels, which like at the beginning, you're like, that's really gross. And then like two weeks later, you're like, why does this make my dick hard? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that now, sounds... like the thought of like milk bones and Jack Daniels, I'm like, no, yes, I can, 
I've heard it's not safe technically to eat milk bones as a human, so caveat to all the listeners. <laughs> but we all take risks in our lives, and one of the risks <laughs> I take is sometimes eating a milk bone. One or two percent. I, I love the idea of that like Pavlovian <laughs> response to uh, to a food item. Um, actually, like, so all the way back, the first time I had sex with someone, immediately after I ate a Rice Krispie treat, and I can't I can't eat Rice Krispie treats now without thinking about sex, which is the weirdest <laughs> association in my head. But that's just how that works now, I guess. <laughs> I wonder if I could train that. Like, I would love to build that association, but with, like, pizza. So, like, every time I'm eating pizza, not only do I get the pleasure of eating pizza, but it also feels like sex. Hey, positive reinforcement is important, okay? Positive <laughs> reinforcement. I'm out. I'm done. This is the end of my <laughs> No, no, no. Come back, come back. It's not possible to finish. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> All right, I think um, one thing that came up a couple of times is the way that puppy play can be humiliating and can be a degrading type of play. Um, but I don't think it always is. Um, what are some other feelings that you think really drive puppy play? I don't think it's... No, not at all. Like, not all puppy play is humiliating. It's really playful. I think it can be aggressive in the right kind of context, like getting into really mm-hmm. aggressive play. Um but it can also just be a super, super deep bond where you're giving over your trust and kind of just every part of you to another person if you're working with a, another person who is your handler, for example. Yeah, and so there's only been one study, I think, that I have been able to find that's done on pup play, and it's by somebody named Liam Wignall, or Vignall? I don't know how you pronounce mm-hmm. that name, in England. Um, and he surveyed 30 pups, so it's not a big sample size, so take this for what it is. But uh, It's a small litter? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a small litter. Um, and of these 30 pups, uh, seven of them said that they engaged in pup play for reasons outside of a sexual dynamic completely. So they weren't looking for sex at all. Um, and one of the big things that comes forward for the people who are engaging in it for non-sexual reasons is this social connection, social connection and uh, this form of affection and play that you can find in pup play that you can't find elsewhere. Uh, and it is, you know, it is a really, it can be a really great community for a lot of people. There are a lot of, you know, us who engage in pup play who are sort of the misfits who've found this corner of the world where we all just get to be freaks and be silly together. Um, And so I think that social connection is a big thing. Uh, And then, yeah, for me, I have talked a lot about it getting off on the degradation and the humiliation of it. And that's definitely uh, true for me. But it also is this means of amplifying intimacy and amplifying connection. Oh, oh my God, I made a pun. You made a pun. Good job. (laughs) Yes, I didn't mean to. (laughs) And uh, so for me, if I get really deep in my headspace, I can I can bond to people like way harder than I think I should. Um, And (laughs) one example, when I first got into pup play, uh, my very first handler, he early in our relationship, I think this was only the third or fourth time we met. He gave me a bath. 
which seems like mm-hmm. it seemed like such a weird thing at the when he said he wanted to do it but it was i think the most intimate experience that i've ever had in my life mm. he just put me in the tub on all fours uh and just like washed me as a dog and that experience like at the end of it i was like i love you like it Aww. was just so intensely Aww. intimate and i was so deep in my headspace that like i bonded to him like you see like a dog that your neighbor has when they come home and the dog is like, I love you so much. I've missed you so much. Where did you go all day? Um, yeah. So like that's not degrading or humiliating at all. It's like this really beautiful way of, of amplifying your intimacy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I yeah, agree. I definitely, okay. yeah, I had a lot of, um, a lot of my experience with puppy play was very much around like bonding and intimacy and that sort of thing. Um, yeah (laughs) for me that was kind of the biggest draw from like my first experience this the story where i was watching the two people in that puppy daddy relationship like that bond was what drew me to puppy play to begin with and it's kind of been the reason why i've always enjoyed it um i haven't always had a handler but like whenever i've had a really intimate relationship with someone um and i'm with a current like handler daddy right now that i just like have a really good bond with like that's that is the the end goal is to just make a connection with someone that means something that is fun that brings both of you guys happiness and, and like closeness and just being able to enjoy each other's company and connection from there yeah um also you had talked about uh only uh there only being one study i just wanted to name drop uh dr jamie lawson is in the process of doing a study right now Ooh. Um, so wow. yeah um, he's an anthropologist from England, um, <laughs> which I'm looking at his Twitter right now because I wasn't sure. Um, but yeah, is currently working on a study, <laughs> I believe. I don't know specifics, um, but that'll be really cool when that happens. Um, yeah, and I know a few other people that have been looking to do studies. I, I can't, I can't say anything. I don't know these people personally, but I've heard there are books coming out, and there are people in like college that are doing actual studies around it um so i think there will be more information i mean we know there will be more information but i think there'll be even more information as the the kink kind of becomes more and more popular and the the this the group just grows online like there's so many puppies on different social medias nowadays yeah yeah absolutely and i'm looking i'm like excited for there to be more information out there because i know when i first started Google took me down a rabbit hole, um, but it was more finding people that kind of taught me way more about it than anything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so talking about the community, uh, Puppy Play is really well known and really popular in like the gay male scene. Um, and I know a lot of trans guys who are also into Puppy Play, but I'm curious if you have any tips for people kind of outside of those demographics looking to explore Puppy Play and kind of get into it and find community. Be visible. I think that's the first thing. Um, for for myself, we, we talk about Puppy Play sometimes on our blog um, and on like Tumblr, for instance. I get messages from like female identified puppies at least once a month that are just like, Hey, I love the, what you talk about and the things that you're bringing to Tumblr here. Um, do you know any female groups? And like every time I tell them, I don't know any specifically, but like you being out there and being visible, looking for other people who might be a, like female-bodied or even trans, like 
being visible helps other people that might come after you to have maybe not role models if you don't want to call yourself a role model but someone who can provide a way of this play and this kink and someone that they can connect with and then feel more comfortable and more capable of being a puppy yourself online uh, visibility is super important and that's i mean that's how this kink even started to begin with for all the male puppies that exist out there like there was someone who either had a photo that they posted or a story and a message board and those people met up and then they made groups and then they made facebook groups and then they made you know 501c3s where they're actually paying money to the government in order to have groups of puppies in cities and you're looking very That's confused. <laughs> I don't know what that number means. Um, it, it means that you're like an actual organized group. Sorry, I've I've done. I was the barking America, manager thanks. for for CPA, <laughs> which is the Seattle Puppies and Handlers. <laughs> Aww, okay, cool. Um, so yeah, there's tons of groups out there, but it started because there was visibility and there were people putting themselves out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I usually tell people when they're, especially people from, you know, groups that are more marginalized from the scene, uh, a great way is to connect with people who are, you know, more heavily involved. Uh, if they're, if you're looking to get involved locally with somebody in your, in your town, see if your town or city has, you know, a pop and handler group, uh, and reach out to one of the organizers. Mm-hmm. Um, I organize a, a monthly pup play night here. Well, I organize two events here, uh, a BDSM play night once a month where we have a, about 100 uh, pups and handlers and pup enthusiasts show up. And then we also do a, a board games night that's non-sexual for people who, you know, want to come out and uh, but don't want to the pressure of, you know, going to a BDSM night. Um, and I have people reach out to me regularly who are curious about the community and I'm always happy to chat with you online or meet up with you and have a coffee and be like, look, I'm not scary. Like you don't have to be scared of this. <laughs> like you can come to an event and I will be there and I'm happy to, you know, walk you around the space, introduce you to some people. Uh, and I, I can't speak for every organizer of every pup group in the world, but I think the majority of people will be down to connect uh, with you and sort of make you feel more comfortable. Um, on that note as well, for people who organize pup events, I think, you know, I think a lot of the responsibility for making these spaces inclusive to people beyond the like gay cis male population, like lies on the organizers of pup groups and pup events. Uh, and for us, like there's a lot that we can do in terms of, uh, in terms of representation, you know, look at the types of bodies that you're putting on the, the posters and the advertisements that you're putting up. And then also look at the spaces that you're programming your events at. That's something that we've had a lot of, uh, a lot of success with here when I first started trying to plan pop events in Montreal, all the gay bars like turned me down. <laughs> they were like, that's too weird. <laughs> like we don't. Want you here. Uh, thankfully Montreal has a really cool, like underground, like queer feminist scene. Uh, and I connected with these two women who ran this underground feminist wrestling league. And they had this, you like went up this back alley and went down this set of stairs into this like warehouse. And you were like, am I going to die? But then it was just this warehouse with this wrestling ring in the middle, which was the best place to host our first like events and our first moshes. Um, but because we were never hosting these events in gay male spaces, we've had more women 
uh, who felt comfortable coming out to them uh, because they didn't feel they were in that like ghettoized part of town where it's only gay men. Uh, and now we've moved to a more like heterosexual space where they have a lot of uh, women and heterosexual clientele regularly. So again, we do have like it's still do like dominated by men, but we do have quite a few uh, women and, and female and non-binary pups who are coming out to our events. So event organizers, the responsibility lies on you in large part. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, uh, a lot of the pup events here in New York City happen at the Eagle. And uh, I've definitely had a lot of time being like, am I allowed at the Eagle? Like, mm -hmm. how how would that go? Um, so I think that's a really good point, um, putting people of different bodies on your marketing materials and holding it in spaces that feel inclusive. Yeah. And also, I'm sorry... Uh, just as a as a guy who is in the puppy community, like a lot of times, it, it's just like I feel like there's a view of like there's toxicity and there's a lot of toxicness in the the male puppy play community because there are so many of these groups that like close it off from females or even trans bodied people because it's all about sex to them. Like I just want to apologize for them because they're not. They are a person in the community. They do not represent everyone. Like, any chance that I have to be a resource or to talk to someone who isn't maybe the the ideal quote-unquote puppy for some people, like, it, it makes me sad when I hear those stories of, of someone getting, like, blocked from a group on Facebook just because they're different or someone not being able, like you said, to go to the eagle maybe because they are a different-bodied person, like... It's upsetting, but I want people to know that that's not everyone's views. Like sometimes, yeah. sometimes those organizers aren't even thinking about like like you said the space. They're not even thinking that it might be a male only space, and maybe just approaching them and being like, "Hey, I'm a part of this community. I'd love to help out. I would love to provide my services in into your group. Like, but I can't do this." And they might be like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I didn't even realize." Like, it takes talking about it and having a conversation to really help some people realize, you know, that this this exists, this, this little bit, even if it's not intentional, like, this toxicity does exist sometimes in the community. Yeah, absolutely. So before we wrap it up, uh, I want to ask if there is anything I didn't ask today that y'all wanted to have an opportunity to talk about. Um, okay, this isn't related to pup play at all. <laughs> so maybe it's inappropriate and you can cut this whole section out. But I had a, I had a pun game. Uh -oh. I wanted, uh -oh. I wanted to, to teach it. Okay. I'm down. Is this a good use of time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is, this is the way that it works. It's a structured game. I really like structured things. <laughs> so there's a person A and a person B in this game. Um, Amp, why don't you play this, pup, yes. this pun game with me? Okay. So person A always says, I started a new business. And then person B has to say, what kind of business? And then person A says the kind of business. And then person B says, and how's it going? And then person A makes a pun. Okay. May I give you an example? Mm. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, please. I, I love yes. examples. I started a new business. What kind of business? It's a salad-making business. How's it going? Let us see. Uh, I, okay, okay, I get it. I get I it. See, I see. I see. 
Kate would very much enjoy this game. I am very <laughs> bad at puns. It will take over your life, though, if you let it. I'll, I'll warn you. I've spent about five years of my life just only thinking of new businesses. Well, I, I started a business recently. Oh, what kind of business? Oh, you know, a dog walking business. Oh, yeah? How's that going for you? The, re- the reviews are all positive. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I thought you were going to say it was going rough. No. Why would you say that? That's so mean. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have faith in your fake dog business. <laughs> okay, I'm so sorry. I, I completely pulled the conversation from the important things. There was one thing that I wanted to say earlier that I do think is kind of important to say, uh, yeah, which absolutely. is a, a little bit of advice that I always give to people when they're first getting involved in the pup community. Um, a lot of people, specifically submissively minded people, will come into the community with the perception that uh, as a submissive, in order to be successful or in order to be an actualized pup, I have to have... Uh, a dominant, I have to have a handler, I have to have a master. Um, and because mm. of that, uh, they sometimes fail to critically engage with whether or not they are compatible with the dominants and masters and handlers that they meet. Uh, it's a bit of a, you know, a novice's mistake. You are a sub, I am a dom, therefore we will make beautiful harmony together. But there are, of course, so many other greater things at work there, and not every sub and every dom are going to work together. Uh, so a bit of advice that I like to give pups who identify as subs when they're first getting involved is take your time when you're first uh, trying out that dom-sub dynamic. You know, just because you have a really great scene with somebody, it doesn't mean that they have to collar you. It doesn't mean that they should collar you. And after one scene, probably <laughs> they shouldn't. Um, so just be careful not to not to rush things uh, and not to let that submissive part of your brain, you know, overtake the, the critical decision-making factor at the beginning. Yes, and um, on, on collars, I think that there's like this oh my god, like Jesus moment of like getting a collar and having a collar and you need the collar, but like I call this collar blindness um, when you are so like visually you need that collar to be a puppy that it gets in the way of any relationships. It gets in the way of like trying to have fun. I mean, I've had friends that since have realized like what a collar means, but like every other week you'd see them with someone else's collar around their neck. And it just kind of makes you think like what kind of meaningful relationships is someone having if they are continuous, like continually switching up who their dominant is and they don't look like they're having fun. Like granted, I, I didn't know their relationships, but like the perception was that like they had a different daddy every weekend and that the collar didn't mean anything to them, you know? So like, mm-hmm. have fun. Don't don't focus on things like collars so deeply. Yeah, and like, if you want to have a different daddy every weekend, go for it. Nothing wrong you with can that. Do that. Not and not at all. <laughs> it's totally fine. But uh, yeah, it's just describing so much. Uh, some people ascribe meaning to the collar, and that can be a really great and wonderful and beautiful thing. And some people just wear the collar because they think it looks hot, and that's also totally acceptable. Sure, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I'm not wearing a collar right now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. All right. Wait, this uh, is the part where yeah. questions that weren't asked, right? Yes. I, I'm curious. Um, what kind of breed are you guys? Do you guys identify with a breed? Like, is a breed important to you? Because that's something I always think is fun to talk about. You can go first, Dane. Okay. 
Uh, I identify <laughs> as a golden retriever. And why? Excellent. Why? Uh, I told you about the first time that I ever played with somebody. Uh, on my way home from that first, very first play session, he texted me and he was like, you're a golden retriever. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, pe- like I was just pretended I was a dog. Like, I don't need a breed. And then <laughs> three years later, I was like, oh, yeah, no, you were right. <laughs> um, I'm just a little stupid sometimes in my pup head space. Very bouncy, like very energetic and very loving. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I tend so I've only thought about it a little bit, um, but I think I'm somewhere, I'm probably a mixed breed, to be honest, um, but somewhere on the terrier <laughs> spectrum, just because I think I'm a bigger dog than I am, um, mm-hmm. and I'm very, like, energetic and a little mischievous and probably a little too smart for my own good. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. And the only reason I ask that yeah. is because I think that that always kind of... Uh, it starts a conversation that makes someone think about like who they are as a person. I'm personally a German Shepherd because, like you, I think that I am much smaller than I actually am. Or, or sorry, <laughs> you said you thought you were much bigger than you actually were. I think I'm a bigger. Yeah, oh, okay. I think I'm bigger than I am. Totally opposite. Then not exactly what you yeah. said, but exactly opposite. Like, I just want to like sit on someone and like like cuddle on top of them, even if they don't want me there. Like, I'm just all about being loving and caring. But, like, don't cross me, because I will bite you if you get too close to the people I care about. And that, that's just me, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Dane, where can people find you, um, and what have you got going on next? Okay, well, you can just find me on Facebook. I've never... I never walled off the like different spheres of my life. So I only have one Facebook profile. Do I regret that? Yes. Should you make decisions and like wall off different spheres of your life? Yes. Um, Dane Stewart on Facebook. Uh, You can also follow the little arts production company that I run called Talking Dog Productions on Facebook or check out our website, talkingdogproductions.ca. We've got some fun, uh, like we have a big theatrical production about pup play and BDSM and sexuality coming up in Montreal in August if you happen to be in Montreal. Otherwise, we're working on an oral history, uh, like audio exhibit, which will eventually be released in podcast format. So you can follow us there and uh, see what sort of stuff we're working on. Uh, Otherwise, I should plug the International Pup and Handler Weekend, IPAW, which is in St. Louis, July, around the 13th to the 15th. Those dates might be slightly off. Uh, So if you're in the St. Louis area, or if you want to fly to St. Louis, uh, you can come out there. There will be like a couple hundred pups packed into a hotel and doing a bunch of classes, doing some bar nights, doing a contest. It will be a lot of fun. Excellent. And Amp, where can we find you? I'm on the internet, uh, www.internetstreet.com. No, um, <laughs> uh, I am on almost every social media at pup underscore amp because goddamn you pup amp as one word. You, uh, someone took it like years ago. Um, no. <laughs> and they're squatting on it. They've never used it. Uh, I'm not bitter. Um, but you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr, uh, not Facebook, um, but you can also find us on What's the Safe Word on YouTube, which is our weekly educational kink show thing channel, um, whatever you want to call it. Just don't call it a podcast because podcasts are just audible, generally not visible. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, and I'm also starting a new business. What kind <laughs> of business? Oh, well, you know, it's an elevator business. How How is it going, Amp? Well, we're really taking it to the next level. Um, our investors are <laughs> floored. <laughs> Excellent. I like this game. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Kate will never stop, though. It's... I'm sure Kate is going to start and it's just going to take over. It can go on forever. <laughs> you have to be really careful. Really careful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds ponderful. <laughs> All right. So I'm Bex. You can find me at BexTalkSex.com and at BexTalkSex on Twitter and Instagram. Kate, who is usually here, you can find all her writing at girlyjuice.net, and she's at girlyjuice on, I think there's an underscore in there. Oh, God, I'm promoing <laughs> poorly. Anyway, this show is The Dildorks. Uh, we're at The Dildorks on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find us by searching The Dildorks in your favorite podcast app. While you're there, rate and review us. Uh, makes us easier to find for other sex nerds. We're also going to be at Woodhull Sexual Freedom Summit in D.C. doing a live uh doing a live recording of our show, so come on out there if you can. If you want to support us, go to patreon.com slash thedildorks to toss a couple of bucks our way. Helps us keep doing things like going to those rad conferences. Thank you to Protodome for giving us... Ugh. This is the part that Kate does. Um, <laughs> Thank you to Protodome for providing our yeah. intro music, I Want You in My Bedroom. Did I do it right? Yes, thank you. Yes, you did. <laughs> thank you. Uh, and thank you to Amy Gardner for our album, uh, for our art. That's uh, at Starboots underscore on Twitter. And thank you to you for listening. Next time, uh, get out there, folks, and live your <laughs> sexy, dorky life. Bye. Do we need to do like a, a clap together or something so you can sync it up or how do you how do you do that? We do a countdown. So we count okay. down from five and take turns. Okay. Um yeah. So I'll start at five, amp you before three, and then y'all know how to count. Uh five. Okay. Four. Three. Two. Two. One. One. Wait, what? Awesome. Wait, that right. <laughs> um Kate will figure it out. It's pop. fine. She count. knows how to sync them. <laughs> oh, As you might... Sorry, my dog is barking in the background. <laughs> Ironically. I mean, there are worse I, things to hear in the background for the puppy episode, I guess. I also taught this dog how to be a dog. She's the most submissive dog in the park, and I take full responsibility for that. <laughs> she goes in, and another dog comes up to her, and she just rolls onto her back. And it's like, do whatever you want to me. And I'm like, oh gosh, I love <laughs> How did I teach you this? <laughs>